Hey, welcome to Educate for Life with Ryan Francis. Let's get right into it. Something that's critical that we talked about that I actually have not explored very much of. You know, we talk about coming back to ourselves, but there's not just our relationship with ourselves that we mediate, especially in our current culture. There's also the relationship that we have with time. And I know that I'm a person who people have joked in the past. Uh, I actually won a, a quote award in, in, in college. Uh, the professors in your senior year when you're going to graduate, they give each uh, graduating dance major their own, uh, their own award. And mine was uh, his own time zone. <laughs> you can tell most of <laughs> these awards were jokes. Um, so I have a very interesting relationship with time already. Uh, and sometimes that's useful, but most of the time in a typical polite society, maybe, maybe not always. Uh, it's certainly that has changed and I have a new relationship with time. Um, but time can be so stressful. I think that's the other thing that we've kind of, the theme that we've been discussing is the shift from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic, the shift from this kind of frazzled to centered. So in that first technique, bring coming back to your body, marshalling your resources, the ego technique, um, reducing the noise of the strategizing, putting ourselves in our center in order to act from that center. I would love for you to talk more about how shamans think about time. Like do shamans even believe in time? Like what, what is the shamanic worldview about time? Well, I cannot speak for all shamans because I don't know. all so, shamans. Certainly. Sorry, sorry. Your experience <laughs> in the traditions that you are versed in that, that would be a much better way of putting that. Thank you for calling that out. What I can say is that we, the, you know, the changing of the night, into day and the changing of the seasons happens on its own natural cycle it's not forced it's not it just kind of like changes form mm. our relationship to the changing of the seasons has been you know we don't look at the changing of the seasons in this modern day as traditional peoples did and do mm. and so we, in our modern day, having knowing that, we have domesticated ourselves hmm. by creating this concept of time. And not only did we create it, we have put on a backpack and a, a baseball cap that make us completely beholden to the idea that time is something that owns us. Mm. and that we have to stress about and that we have to sort of, you know, run against so we create resistance mm. to this very thing that we made up to begin with. Yeah. The, the way that we keep time on a clock is very controlled. Mm. You really can't control time. But what we have is we have a lot of people who have that as their baseline understanding and so they're running against the clock a clock that they didn't create yeah. so what we need to do is recognize that's happening and then start to change relationship with it 
In shamanic practice, we work within layers and levels of reality. And we learn how to change our shape according to what's necessary. Mm. And it is very necessary to slow our nervous systems down Mm. so that we can stay well so that we can receive information from spirit so that we can function in the world we can't do all those things if we're racing against time plus or we physically will get a heart attack if we're <laughs> running around so quick all the time so shamans have their own relationship to time and i think that their explanation would be different depending on who you talk to yeah, but true. generally it's understood that time is man-made, human-made, and that anything that is human-made, we don't have to have a relationship with it in the way that we're told. Mm. So, we don't. Interesting. And you, anyone who's listening, you don't need to either. You can create, right now, you can create something different with your relationship to time. Mm. You want to keep going? Oh, I mean, I was quite enraptured. Uh, I was thinking, I, I just, before you, I, I, just a quick ca- call out to something you said about anything that's man-made essentially doesn't have to be. And I thought that that was so powerful because I was ref- reflecting last night um, on how there are rhythms. Time is, quote, real in the sense that whether or not you call it 7 a.m., there are people that have an uncanny ability to wake up at exactly 7 a.m. every day without an alarm. You know, my rabbit knows when it's 4.30 in the afternoon because that's when he normally gets his pellets. And if he hasn't gotten his pellets, he's like, dude, what's up? That rabbit has no idea that there's a clock over there that says 4.30. Like, that doesn't mean anything to him, but there are rhythms. There, I love that you said that. There are these natural rhythms. But once we do this thing that I think humans do where we think that um, expediency is efficiency, like we subdivide time into smaller and smaller measures because so we can control it to some degree. We can try to accomplish more and more or whatever else. Like once we recognize that we're the ones that created that and it has its use, but that doesn't mean that it needs to be how it is because we're the ones who made it that way and we're just assuming that because it exists, therefore it needs to be that way. And I just thought that was so powerful and I just wanted to, to call that out one more time. Please do continue though. I'm so fascinated. Yeah, yeah. So, we, so a good example of how we can all change our relationship with time is, you know, here in the States, we have this little thing called daylight savings time, oh, where twice a year, we turn the clocks either forward or back. Mm. And so this human-made thing that we created, we then go in and mess with <laughs> once or twice a year. Yeah. And then everybody just adjusts. Everybody just says, oh, okay, this is what we're going to do. We might not like it or we might not care, but we're just going to adjust. Mm. Our whole routines, our whole systems, our whole bodies. Yeah. So we can adjust and we can make the decision to adjust without the mainstream forcing mm. that on us. And it begins with the idea that we create our own reality. Yeah. Now, I don't want to confuse that with 
people who say, I create my own reality. Nothing's bad happening in my reality. So nothing bad's happening on the planet. People create their reality. If bad's happening to you, you, you did it. I think that's bullshit. Yes, I think thank that you. there are other, there are things happening in this world that are horrendous. And the people who are receiving those horrendous things did not create them. Right. When I'm talking about creating our own reality, I'm talking about this body, this brain, this heart. I am not, you know, I, I am responsible for it and I can make choices to create and shape it the way that I want. That's what I mean by creating my own reality. Right. So we create this right here. We create this and we can make a decision as to how we're going to engage with the big rules. Mm -hmm. We want to run the rat race with time. We can. If we don't, then we tell ourselves and explain to ourselves, okay, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to change my relationship to time. I don't need to run like this anymore. Mm. From there, then we start living in accordance to that understanding and belief. So what I do, and I always, everything that I teach, I practice myself. I don't pull things out of the air and throw them at people. I teach mm. them because they work. Mm -hmm. So time is an illusion in the way that it is constructed in the mainstream. It drives a bus that we don't need to be riding on and that we can get off as needed. <coughs> mm -hmm. Slow it down. Right. Realize that you are creating your own reality and then decide to do it differently. Right. And when you start, when you do that, things will shift and you can decide to slow yourself down, slow time down or expand time. Right now, everyone who's listening can just decide, okay, I want to do that. I want to expand time. Mm. Right there, there's a shift in your reality that you can do it differently. And if you, there's a shift right there. Yeah. So what I do for me is if I notice that I'm running, well, I've made the, I've made the decision I'm changing my relationship with time. And so mm. then what I do is I disengage from all the pressure that comes from the time thing. I don't totally like come off the clock and I never show up anywhere on time or anything like that, but I don't let it give me a heart attack. Basically, right. I don't let it stress me out. And if I find that it is starting to stress me out, then I stop, I breathe, I remember this is my show, I'm expanding reality and I just start to move a little slower. I start to talk a little slower and I start to take emotions that are slower and that moves me out of the rat race and into my own reality. Mm. boom it's that easy and yeah. then you do that and you repeat and before you know it you're much less stressed out and you're really not so invested in everybody else's pressure around time yeah that's that's so cool it, it, again just as you're talking i'm thinking about that shift from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic again like this is this this is this understanding of how we are in, how we are in the world is so often a product of how ramped up we are and that when we're able to kind of like turn that dial down what i like to say is there are times when the best thing you can possibly do is be ramped up but wouldn't you rather be ramped up because you surveyed the land, saw the value of ramping up and ramped up? It's like when people say you should never be angry in front of children. That, I, that's bullshit. The range of human emotion is important. You know, that was a, a hard lesson that I learned in the classroom. I'll tell that story some other time. Um, that 
you know, I had basically expressed anger in the classroom. It hadn't gone well. So I stopped expressing anger in the classroom. That didn't go well. Then I realized, oh, I was trying to apply rules that didn't make any sense. There are times to be angry and it's really valuable for the kid to see that you're affected. And by understanding that and going on that journey, um, suddenly being ramped up was not a bad thing because sometimes being ramped up was good for everyone in the room. So I think that that's so, so critical just with time. You know, it's one thing to just, just even, even I, I'm realizing as you're talking, you were talking about time. I went, Oh, I, that, this is the process that I've been on in the last, I mean, really consciously in the last uh, six or seven years. And this all coincided with this, you know, recovering from depression, um, changing my relationship with time. And specifically in the last, you know, two years or a year and a bit being an entrepreneur, uh, like the way we scheduled this interview, you know, I asked, Hey, when do you have like a three hour block? I didn't think we were going to need three hours for the interview, but that completely changed my relationship with time. Now I'm not like freaking out about you needing to go somewhere. I'm not freaking out about, you know, anything else. We had a little bit of time to chat. Um, I structured, ironically, uh, <laughs> part of my life so that I could have a different relationship with time. I just think that's really, that's a really interesting idea you know, that we have control over Anybody that. Anybody can do it. Even if you have a lot of things to do and you have kids and a job and you can do it, you have to just pull your cords, your tethers out of the belief system that isn't yours. So I would love it. Do you have like a specific practice or a specific um, process that you do to help people change their relationship with time? Um, is it, is it an awareness trick? Like what you were just discussing, like how can we do that better? We need to be reminded to do it. Okay. I mean, I think that we need to create opportunities in our life where we're not rushed. Mm. We need to create opportunities where we can experience um, and dive into a different mindset. Mm. We need to create opportunities when we can be with and do things that feel healthy and supportive to us. It's a whole lifestyle. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm giving you like the quick one too, right. but really there's so much more that we can do than just change our relationship with time. We could change our relationship to our own heart and even to our own soul. And mm -hmm. um, when we get closer to our own heart, our own soul, then we know that the rules that we subscribe to you know, we can cancel some of them. We don't have to have the full subscription. We can have a partial subscription. <laughs> <laughs> I love that metaphor. That's so much fun. Yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, we don't need to. Please. Yeah, please. we don't need to pull out of reality like everybody else's reality. We just need to adjust our reality so that we're comfortable in it. Hey, y'all. Just want to take a quick break in the action. Let you know if you're enjoying what you're listening to, please do recommend it to a friend. I would very much love to expand my audience, and I would love it if you would rate me on iTunes slash the Apple podcast platform, because that really helps the show out a lot. And if you want to know more about what I'm up to, go check out my new website at www.educate4.life. That's www.educate, the number four, dot life. Now, back to the show. 
Yeah, this this goes back to the oh man, you just uh, just in you saying that my brain just exploded with three or four separate thoughts that I feel like are all interrelated because this all comes down to how we approach our own personal worldview. Because something that I like to say again, even if it's just metaphor, call it you don't need to call it literal. I feel like this thing that we call reality is in fact every individual's reality overlapping. And there are things that, you know, ways that we interplay and ways that we don't and ways that we interact and ways that we don't. And it's very interesting to see all of these different realities interacting. Um, And so knowing that to some degree over those things, which you have control, which is why I love the, um, is it called the prayer of serenity? The thing that is often used, the 12-step program about, um, you know, the courage to change what you can and the wisdom to know the difference. I always butcher it, but I just think it's so powerful to be aware that we don't have control over everything. And all that we can ask of ourselves and others really is to control that which we can control to the betterment of ourselves and others. And so uh, I often talk about... um, developing cues to our awareness. I've never really called it that directly, but I'm realizing, oh, just based on what you just said about needing to be reminded, it's kind of funny that we might need to schedule in our calendar a time to remind ourselves that we don't need to schedule everything. <laughs> but but it's kind of true. Like Even if it's not a formal schedule, like at 10 a.m. every day, I'm going to do this, which some people may need. It can also just be every day when I wake up, I'll spend five minutes doing conscious breathing every night before I go to sleep. Uh, when I lay down, I'll do some conscious breathing and it doesn't matter if I do it for five minutes, 30 seconds or 20 minutes, you know, I just do it until either I lose consciousness or I at least do it for X amount of time. And then I do or do not fall asleep, whatever it is, what it is. But that in some way, building these rhythms, these reminders, I, I was talking to uh, Kelly Travis is the would have been this month's April, recording this in April, April's episodes. And she was talking about having like a note on the mirror, having these cues in our environment to increase our awareness. Mm -hmm. That's not a practice that I've personally engaged in, but I know people who that is, um, for whom that's immensely useful. You know, just having like a little post on the mirror that says breathe. So when they wake up in the morning and they go to, you know, brush their teeth or whatever, they see breathing. They're like, oh yeah, that's right. (sighs) Even if they do it just in that moment. Um, changing that relationship that they have with themselves. Um, that same thing when you're like, oh, a cue it might be when you're su- suddenly stressed because you're rushing to get somewhere, you can remind yourself, okay, I don't have control over traffic. <laughs> I can have a different relationship right. with this experience. You know, I can have a different relationship with time. What I'm, what I'm wondering, because I know for myself, this has been a long process. I'm wondering if there's any way to hack the process to kind of shorten the the process for the relationship with time. So I'm kind of racking my brain. Like if I, if I could distill what I've learned about time, what would it be? And maybe if, if you can rack your brain with me, um, maybe it doesn't require any racking. Maybe it just requires, you know, as you said, channeling information or just being present to that information. I'm trying to decide if I had like a critical takeaway about time, what would it be? Like, how could I help people with their relationship with time? Scratch. I bring in the awareness that they can change that they can change it and expand it because it's malleable. It's not. It's a concept that we really just created. 
Mm. <laughs> yeah, that there's not enough. I mean, I don't really know the answer to that question. I feel like so many people, what I'm saying right now is a brand new information for so many people. Yeah. Starting there, then leading to further exploration and answers. One first has to decide if they want to even dip their toe into what I'm saying. Yeah. If you don't believe me, okay, you don't, that's okay. I'm not here to convince anybody. I'm just here to be, offer something different, right? So, uh, yeah, I think that exploring that on there, I, I don't think there's anything else to do but introduce the idea at this point in time. You know, I just had a, a flash of self awareness and I went, oh, wow. Let me replay that back. I just said, is there a way to rush learning to not rush your sense of time? Holy crap. Talk about deeply embedded. I just mm -hmm. asked, is there a way to yes. more quickly change our relationship? What crazy fucking meta bullshit. Holy crap. This is a very real yeah, right. This is a very yes. real, holy shit. Wow. Wow. And it's so funny because as I was saying that, I had this feeling like I'm saying something that doesn't make sense. I'm like, but it perfect, perfect logical sense. I'm asking a perfectly logical question because I was not like, I had cognitive dissonance that I wasn't consciously aware of. When you were talking about just like being present and being aware of the potential of changing a relationship with time, I felt so relaxed when you were telling that. And like, I wanted more of it, you know? And so that was kind of the, I think the impetus behind that question is how can I get more of that feeling? And the truth is, there is no way to get more of that feeling using the paradigm of getting to yes. the result faster. There isn't. It's just about this right. process of developing awareness. So what, you, what were you going to say? No, please, please. So what you can do, what you can do is, okay, so spend more time with people who think this way, yeah. you know, because you, as, as I was listening to you say that as I was talking about time, you were totally grokking it and you were into it. Yeah. And that's because I am, when I'm sh sharing this with you, I'm bringing you into the frequency of it. Yeah. Because not only am I, do I just tell you all about it? Like I believe it and wholeheartedly engage in it. And that's what a shaman does. They wholeheartedly engage in whatever reality it is, whether it's bringing the spirits through a mindset, a heart opening. And when one really wholeheartedly engages, it becomes them and then it spreads out. And then when you are around that, you, you drink it up and you're in it and you can feel it. So spending more time with people who are doing this kind of practice is going to pull you into it more easily. So there's the answer. There was an answer. It just wasn't. <laughs> it just wasn't the answer I was expecting. Certainly. Exactly. Yeah. There, there was something, you know, it's so funny that you say that uh, this kind of confluence that occurs. I just recently saw a clip that someone posted on uh, IGTV on Instagram uh, video platform. And it was Tom Bilyeu, I believe, was doing the interview. And I can't remember who he was interviewing. It was just this little three-minute clip of the gentleman he was interviewing saying, uh, you know how you change your mindset is you read books and you watch shows and you spend time with people. And this goes back to me saying, you know, humans are pro-social. We cue off of each other. So if you want something to change, you need to put that information in your head. 
So it's so natural. Like how, how you couldn't be more natural than what you just said, which is, you know, I'm sitting here and my mirror neurons are firing and you're slipping into this parasympathetic space and you're talking about time. And all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, man, that's like, that's so real, man. And I, I'm being in this space with you. Um, and that is literally reprogramming my brain. I wish you guys could see the, the, there have been a couple back and forths here where one of us has been silently laughing so as not to interrupt the other person while the other person is talking. We're like lovingly losing our minds over here. So you can't see Bridget's face right now. But uh, it's it's so true. It's so it's so true. The number of times I've read a book and afterwards it's felt like I developed a superpower from reading the book. And actually it was really funny in the TV nice. show Heroes, they actually had a character who literally that was her ability was to watch other people and learn instantly from watching them. I think that's just a kind of a, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, prototypical expression. That's not the right word. Emblematic. I don't, I don't know. I can't think of a fun, fancy word right now, but it's essentially this kind of really ramped up expression of what we all as humans do. You know, I, I joke, uh, there's this great book called um, the dog trainer's guide to parenting. If you can get past accepting that there are similarities between the mental program, the brain programming of dogs and the brain programming of humans to read the book, I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun just to understand how social interaction uh, programs us as humans. And so it's like watching Cesar Milan talk about how he'll bring what he calls a red line dog into his pack and his pack is so mellow and they know they have norms and what behavior is supposed to be like. And so when that red line dog comes in, this traumatized dog, instead of the pack being disrupted by that, the pack's normalization is stronger and actually uh, helps this red line dog come off the red line and be mellow and calm. And it's so true that, um, if you're surrounded by negativity, you tend to be a negative person. If you tend to surround yourself with people who uh, are entitled, you tend to become entitled. When you surround yourself with people who, um, did I already say play victim? If I didn't say play victim, I'll say it now. If I said it, it bears repeating. When you play a victim in your life and you're always at the mercy of your life, um, if you're surrounded by people like that, uh, there's a tendency to start to enact that. Uh, and, and that is not empowering and 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 it's really valuable i'm not saying cut people out of your life but i'm just saying be aware of what you fill yourself with um how you program this meat machine uh in between yes. your ears is critically critically important yes so thank you for being someone who i've recently met and i'm grateful for in my life to uh kind of cue that off of that that relationship with time thank you for that i really appreciate it yes i wish for all of us that we can start to change the relationship with time when we all start doing these small practices then we start um there's becomes critical mass and when mm. there's critical mass we see change happening and we're seeing critical mass all over the place yes. our our relationship with reality is changing yeah and um, we need to just keep doing it because we are getting to critical mass and we're turning the tide and shamanic practices are helping to turn the tide because they're unplugging us from one paradigm and plugging us into a different paradigm that's more healthier for the planet. Yeah, and from a kind of social psychology perspective, something I think is really important to call out about that is 
when people say we're seeing worse bigotry than we ever seen, it's like, yes and no, the thrust of time is progressive, right? The thrust of time is toward inclusion. And so what we're seeing is the people on the edges get louder and louder and louder as these paradigms shift and there's more and more uh, direct conflict as opposed to kind of subtext conflict or subversive conflict. Now the conflict is coming out into the open. And so the great majority of people in the middle who are not arguing are the ones for whom the paradigm has slowly and to some degree effortlessly shifted while the people on the poles fight about the ideas that are already changing. The fight wouldn't exist if the change was not already in process. So some of the turmoil um, is really a reflection, I think, of how much has already changed. And the conflict is actually on the back end of the change that's already happened. So the things that people are fighting for to get are already slowly being received. Um, and I understand that it may be a necessary part of the process for the conflict to occur. I don't enjoy it very much, I'll be real. <laughs> I, I intend to be a moderating voice. Um, but it is some of these quiet conversations like the one that you and I are having right now that I think are so critical so that people who are not looking to be on the polar sides of the, the shouting match uh, can enjoy a more gentle transition into these new spaces and these new ideas that maybe have been around for a thousand years, but they certainly weren't a part of our culture. Uh, and I think it's really valuable to, as you say, disseminate them in this, in, in this world, this very affected world, all the things that we are being affected by. So thank you for being a part of that. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for inviting this conversation. It's been wonderful. Yeah. And there's many of us who are doing this kind of work around the world in pods, uh, creating an opportunity for people to do it differently. So I'm, I'm happy for that. I'm grateful for that. I am so glad that some of these practices, again, I just want to call out one more time, it can feel so esoteric. I know so many people, and it includes myself some days, where someone uh, passes on some potentially really powerful information, and it is encoded with so much esotericism that it's like, can you talk to everyone, please? <laughs> Instead of, you know, just your small group of people, I, I'm, I'm really hoping to see a significant change. You and I have chatted before and I will chat again. I actually would love to record that conversation. We have a plan on doing a roundtable that I'm really looking forward to to talk about the state of the self-development industry where I really don't think we're speaking to enough people. I, I really, really don't. And it does tend to be pods and it does tend to be tribes. And I, my, one of my firm practices, and I've, I've had it for 25 years, more than half of my life, where I very consciously seek new perspectives in order to help round out my own. And, and I did that in order to, again, see some commonalities. I didn't realize that's what I was doing. But once I started seeing commonalities, I'm like, oh, I need more of this. I need to see more expressions of this commonality in other cultures and other spaces so that we can strip some of it away and speak directly to it. So again, I thank you for for having this conversation because it's so easy for people to just talk about these ideas with like-minded people. I think it's important for everyone to hear, everyone to hear this stuff. So um, 
before we just kind of put a pin in the whole deal, I was wondering if there's any, I feel like we've already kind of wrapped it up, but just in case, are there any other like really critical ideas that you want to make sure everyone hears either directly related to what we just said to call something out that we've already talked about or to kind of add a little kind of cherry on top, something that someone could take away and maybe apply immediately or could go back and re-listen to or something from this conversation. I think the most important thing is to remember that we create how we are in the world and we can change how we are and how we interact in the world. We can also, yeah, we can do that by managing our own personal energy, managing our relationship to time and calling our power back. And the last piece I want to say, which we didn't touch on too much here, is that shamans and shamanic practitioners do all of this in relationship to spirit and like a larger life pulse. Mm -hmm. So inviting that energy in, that's a whole other conversation, but inviting that energy in, in whatever way someone is able to, will be hugely helpful because then it takes the burden off of us to figure it all out and it leaves some room for the mystery to come in and help restack our reality. I think I, that's sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think I feel like that's a great thing to keep in mind as we as we wrap up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I I would like to echo part of that. Um, that I am someone who for whom mystic traditions explicitly have been very, very valuable over the course of my life. And I think you spoke it so well, spoke to it so well just now about how we stack our reality, how we, I would say, orient ourselves, how we align with our worldview. And what's so really powerful about mystic practices is that at their core, they are about stripping, shattering, separating from, um, simple convention and pre-programmed notions. I mean, the fact that, you know, one of the first mystics who was in an Orthodox religious tradition who said, I am God was put to death. Right. But the re- but the, the interaction of that expression was this person saying, I don't need the trappings of what you are teaching me in order to have a relationship with the divine. And there's something so very powerful about that that even if you who are listening are do not who think religion is total crap who think organized religion is the opiate of the masses you might really jive with mystic traditions and it's not to say again that you need to believe in spirit it doesn't mean you need to believe in source it just means that there is a way to free ourselves from the confines of this this pre-programmed old um, ways of thinking or, or very new ways of thinking that we think also need to be assumed because, well, I learned it from someone else and it must be reality. Um, you know, there's very recent beliefs like about diet. I always laugh uh, when people are like, oh yeah, I need to have this much meat in your diet. I'm like, you know that we've only been eating this much meat in the last 20 to 30 years in our culture and people were healthy without it, right? You know that, right? Like these new, very new ideas, we have these very like, uh, goldfish uh, lifetime bites of memory. Right? It's like we only remember things for five years at a time and we assume if it's been true for the last five years, it's been true forever. Right. And, you know, and mystic traditions and shamanic traditions are really fantastic at challenging that notion. 
that uh, we have to accept what the dominant uh, thought process is, and we have to accept the, the that type of of programming. Um, and so, so again, I just invite people not to um, become religious or enter an esoteric tradition, but I do invite people to explore them because there is so much to be gained, um, so much to be gained from that. And I think that, you know, please re-listen to this uh, if you felt resistant to it because it came from an esoteric tradition. Like, listen to the practical components of how it could really benefit your life because I think, I think it would be honestly truly good for everyone to just take a little bit more of that into their lives. Thank you so much again for hanging out. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. And we'll be in touch, of course. Of course. Oh, we're going to be doing this again. (laughs) I hope. Anyway, I would love to do this again with you if you were down for that. Yes, absolutely. Great. All right. Hey again. Thanks for listening. If you want more goodness, come hang out with me on Instagram at educate4 underscore life. That's educate, the number four, underscore life. I jump on almost every day and go live once per week to answer questions and just talk about what's on my mind. We've got some cool stuff coming down the pipe, so expect some announcements in the near future. And with that, I hope you have a great week. Talk with you soon.